Hello and welcome to Recording Live. I am Dexter, and with me, as always, is... It's me, Matt. Or is it? It is. Oh. It is, or is it? Well, I mean, we'll have to test you out to see if you are a thing. Sorry, that, that was... The only thing I know for certain is I know who I am. Oh, but oh. who am I? I know who I am. So anyway, this episode, we are talking about uh, who goes there. And yes, which uh, I was not familiar with that title, um, but it is the book that the movie The Thing is based on, the which thing, I have also as well as The Thing from Another World, and then as well as the 2011 movie The Thing. Oh, there's a 2011 version? A prequel to the John Carpenter movie. Uh, wait. Oh, okay. Still baffled. I need to see the John Carpenter version. Yes, uh, that's the uh, thing that makes me mad about that prequel is... It's called The Thing. Yeah. My opinion, the prequel should have been called Who Goes There? Yeah. And then uh, it's followed up by The Thing. The prequel yeah. is a question, and the, the original is the answer. Yeah. So, like, what is the prequel about them finding the alien ship? Yes. Not to, not to jump in too quickly. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, uh, let's just start, start talking about the book, I guess, and then we can talk about uh, the other variations if, if we have time. I um, do. I would uh, vaguely because you haven't seen it and I do not want to spoil that movie for you whatsoever because eventually we are going to watch it. Yes, I would. Yeah, 100 percent. After reading this book, I want to see the movie, I, even though I talked to a, a coworker about it. He didn't get like going to horrible detail about the movie. Um, he just said that the, it sounded like the book was pretty similar. Yes, um, but it just kind of here and there was like different um and, and and that being said like this book felt like it was written in the 30s uh, i think it was 38 yeah 1938 um and and like it especially the ending felt very 30s to me like just over explaining um positivity <laughs> uh, i uh, i mean i personally feel like this book this story is timeless it's yeah, one of the it's just like, books I, of John W. Campbell Jr.'s that actually is not dated and yes. still holds up to this day. It's regarded yeah. as that. No, no and, and I agree with that. But I think just like the way it ends, like uh, I don't feel like uh, stories end that way anymore. Um, like it's and we can talk to it about it when we get to that. But um, I don't know. And, and I guess leading it. So like before we really get into the book, one thing that really, so I've never heard of John W. Campbell. I don't, I don't know who he is or I didn't. Um, and I was very surprised that I don't because, um, he is an editor or he, so yeah, he is a prolific writer. He's written a ton, but like, really, this is the only story that stands out from what I understand. Yes. Um, and he's actually better known from, uh, according to the, the, um, whatever the thing at the beginning of the book uh that was just kind of about the author uh he said that he was better known as an editor and he actually was the editor for a lot of the sci-fi writers that i have read um being isaac asimov robert a heinlein um and a bunch of other people like so it's kind of because of of campbell that we have a lot of the really good sci-fi that we have today um which is really fascinating to me. And and so he, and he also had stories uh, in like what the first anthology that ever used the term sci-fi or science fiction. 
Um, and so he kind of, I mean, in a sense, then he helped to define what science fiction is, which, you know, it's, uh, being the thirties really like, that's probably the earliest that, you know, sci-fi was even really being thought about in the, in terms of what we consider sci-fi today. Um, I mean, I wonder what sci-fi would even be before that. Like it, you know, what the concept would even be. Jules Verne stories and stuff like that. I would imagine. Sure. And I mean, probably a lot of alien stuff, but like not to the extent that we really think about it like these days with, I don't know, but I, I don't know. I just thought it was really fascinating. I really want to dig into like more about who this guy is and like what he did, I guess, for the science fiction community. I mean, especially being somebody myself who wants to write science fiction novels. Um, I'm very fascinated, I guess, about, about it. So anyway, I just found that really interesting and it really um, just got me even more interested, I guess, in reading the book, but, um, but no, I, I'm excited to talk about this. So why don't, unless you have anything else to add before, why don't, I mean, you can just go into the synopsis. Well, um, the whole reason I wanted to do this is we wanted to do a a special episode for, uh, our timing and everything. And, Mm -hmm. uh, before this, we talked about maybe watching a movie and talking about that. And then beginning of the week, this week we're recording. Uh, I thought, I thought about, this book because i've had it for probably a year and a half and i've never read it yeah you brought it up on the podcast even i think what you bought you brought it up on the podcast when you bought it yeah i bought it up yeah a year and a half ago and i never read it and it came in my head the other night and i've been wanting to tell myself i should read before going to bed or in the evening sometime Mm -hmm. and i've been telling myself well you should just probably knock out who goes there and Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Monday night or so, I pulled it up, and I was going to read probably a chapter or two. It's a very short story, but I was just Mm going to read for a little bit, and it just kind of crossed my head. I was like, well, I listen to audiobooks when I'm at work. Uh, Maybe I should see if there's an audiobook of this, because it is very short, and I did find one, and I was like, well, it's not expensive, so maybe I should check this out, and... I texted you that night and said, hey, how about instead of a movie, we do like a novella? How about who goes there? It's like four ninety nine for the book or it's like seven, eight bucks for the audio book. Yeah, and it's only about three hours long. And you were on board. Mm-hmm. So I picked a, I started reading the book, but I have trouble with reading a lot. So I was struggling a little bit with how technical it was. And so I'm like, well. I think maybe I'll absorb it better if I get the audio version. So after you and I talked about it, I just straight up picked it up and downloaded it. And I went to work and listened to it. And I, I, I really liked it. So this is, yeah, it is uh, published in August, 1938, John W. Campbell Jr. It's who goes there. It's a short science fiction novella. And I think it's only, it's like 14 chapters, 15 chapters very short some chapters are only a page long yeah and the audiobook is yeah two hours and like 40 minutes and so i love the thing if as i've said before on here jaws is my favorite film if it was if it wasn't jaws it'd be the thing i've seen the thing so many times Hmm. it's without a doubt right there with jaws and so i absolutely love it i've always wanted Mm -hmm. to read the story and what the story is it is a group of American research researchers in a science station in Antarctica, and they are studying magnetism down there. 
Yeah. As well as other things. It's a research outpost of 37 members, and they come across a spaceship in the ice that's been there for, what did they say, 10, 20 million years? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to say 20 million, yeah. 20 million years, and away from the craft, they find a specimen buried in the snow. At first, they attempt, and by the way, we are going to talk kind of for the next hour about this. So (laughs) if anyone is listening to us is interested in this story, I recommend it. Dexter, do you recommend it? Yeah, yeah. I'd say, I mean, and it's so short, like two and a half hours, like. You can knock it out in an hour and a half or two hours even just reading it. It's very Oh, sure. Yeah. You can probably read it in one sitting for sure. Yeah. And so we recommend it. If you are interested in reading it, stop this, pick Mm -hmm. it up. Um, through an ebook or an audiobook, give that a listen, and then come back and listen to what we're going to talk about with it. And but it is a group of research of scientists and researchers and employees at a uh, science station. Thirty-seven members. They come across an alien specimen. They attempt to dig up the spaceship by blowing up the snow around it with thermite charges. Unfortunately, they end up blowing up the ship mm-hmm. because it has a magnesium hull and their, their thermite uh, causes a reaction that blows up the ship. Specimen was not damaged since it was uh, about 30 feet away. Mm-hmm. They dig up the specimen. They bring it back thinking it is dead. Mm-hmm. And a good chunk of the scientists would like to just not have anything to do with it because they're afraid of it. It could carry uh, a, a 20 million year old virus. It could carry mm-hmm. bacteria. Other scientists would like to want to keep it and study it. The They decide they're going to keep it. However, over the next day or two, while it's dethawing, it disappears. And they find out that this creature is – they find it alive. It is attacking the dog, the sled dogs at their station, and they find out that this thing can imitate other life forms. It kills the other life forms, and then it takes them over and can create a perfect imitation of it. The, the thing is – and that's what it is. It's called The Thing. It's throughout the entire book. That's the only thing it goes by. Yeah, they just say The Thing constantly, yeah. Uh, do, do they explain how it become like how it transforms very well? Like, cause I I don't know if I missed it or something. Uh, yes. Like, does it consume them or? Yes, kind of. Okay, so what this thing is is when it comes into contact with others, it kind of assimilates. Okay, like it just absorbs them, kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And the individual is gone. The person yeah. or a thing that does it's dead. Like, Those, well, and like, there's not, there never seems to be like a body around. Like they, like the, the alien kind of takes over their cells at least. Yes. What happens yeah. is, is the most basic way to describe this is this organism is essentially, they, they talk in the book that it's pretty much basic fundamental, uh, basic structure is protoplasm mm-hmm. and it can alter its own protoplasm to mimic someone perfectly like they mm-hmm. become the thing and they they learn that it's all uh, when they bring it on board when they bring it to their station even frozen a lot of the scientists begin complaining that they're having terrible dreams of this thing yeah eventually they discover that it is telepathic it can read mm-hmm. their thoughts yeah and the big question is, after they kill it 
they realize that this thing can imitate someone perfectly or anything living permit uh, perfectly. So then the paranoia sets in that this mm-hmm. alien creature that can imitate anyone is now among them. And they don't know who it is because this thing imitates everyone perfectly to a point where it is debated whether the people that it has imitated know that they are the thing. Yeah. Uh, well, and and like to the point, too, where like they're even arguing like um, there's a couple of times where like somebody brings up a point that would you know help to figure out who the thing is. Mm-hmm. Or like, who is a thing, I guess. Uh, and they're just like, well, why would a thing say, you know, bring this up? Like that, I, that would out themselves. And like, it was like, oh, that's a good point. But then a thing, the thing might think to say that to point, you know, to misdirect us to think that you're not the thing. And it's, uh, it's just a lot of, yeah, paranoia. It, yeah, basically. that's the theme of this entire thing is just paranoid. Yeah, not not a ton of action, and when there is action, nope. it's really fast, which is why it's, like I, I wasn't even. It's sure almost fast, and you almost miss it. I have. Yeah, well, like I think like one entire fight. Uh, it, I, I swear it's only like two seconds, and it consists it's like a sentence, and that's it. And, it. and it consists of like thirty men ripping another man apart. Yes, and it's like in one <laughs> sentence they say that before they knew it, everyone was on top of it, and then. It, uh, before they and afterward, it was just shredded pieces on the ground. Yeah, it's just like, well, yeah, like and when I was listening, I was like, what just happened? Yes, uh, <laughs> the action in it is almost just one sentence long, and there's yeah. only the finale ending. That one goes on for probably about a paragraph or two. Yeah, but yeah, the it's very unusual because it's it is a group of scientists, and this is very well written where they talk very sciency. Yeah, well, and I think the guy was he, like he worked in a lab, like he had a science background, from what I understand. Yes, and eventually they come up with an idea of a test to determine who is a thing. And I'm not going to lie to you, Dexter. Okay, so I read the book mm-hmm. and I listened to the audio the audio book three times this week. Yeah, because I was very into it. I still am very confused by this blood test that they do, the first blood test, where they are oh. trying to. They, oh, it's, it's based on immune, immune, uh, an immune, immunize, immunize. Oh, wow. How can I say immunization, that? immunization of uh, rabbits, but they don't have rabbits. So they use a dog. So what they do is yeah. they inject a dog with human blood. Well, they like slowly do it so as not to poison the dog. And so then they make the dog uh, the, human it's immune, like human immune. Yes. Um, and then what they do is they they mix the human blood with the dog blood. And so if it's, if they're human, it shouldn't have a reaction. And if they're not human, it will have a reaction. I think, I think so. It's kind of a confusing test. Yeah. It, uh, well, and then obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious or not, but like, so the, the theory behind that was that like the alien, you know, the alien can mimic a human to a certain degree, but like there's still like on the nuclear nuclear level, the blood is still going to be different or just the cells will be different. Yeah. Like they, they like could, because like if they become wholly human, then they wouldn't ever be able to change into anything else ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly that's not the problem. So like they, they 
they cannot be on the cell perfect on the cellular level. So the theory being that the blood would would react, but it is a perfect enough transformation that that's not the case. Yes, the test completely fails, and I will say this: they do a second test later on in the book, and holy shit, just throws out all the science. It's just we're just gonna burn the fucking blood. <laughs> we're just gonna Which, burn the blood and see if it reacts. And I'm like, yes. Well, yes. and, and, and the logic <laughs> behind that made sense because oh, the, because they find out that eventually they come across a thing uh, that was a person and it's cleaved in two. Someone one of the other uh, people at the uh, at the station kind of gets a little right. crazy and he just hacks up another person. Yeah, that was another one of those sentences where I was just like, what just happened? <laughs> yes. Uh, one guy gets hacked up in two, and it's revealed that he's a thing. Yep. And both halves of this creature are trying to, like, get away. Mm-hmm. And they realize that the thing is a multi-cell organism in the sense that when it separates, it becomes two things. Yeah. And they so are no every drop they of now blood, have everything. thought. And they're both out to survive. So they decide to do a second test where they draw everyone's blood and they stick a hot uh, wire in the blood sample to see if the blood will react uh, to try and get away. And so and they they figure it out instantly. Like they literally out of 37 men, they find out 14 14. are an alien and they just kill them. Like one dude has pretty much I believe it's like a club and another guy has an electric uh, rod that will instantly was, kill because the voltage is so powerful. Which was like their main weapon throughout the whole story against the thing whenever they did find him. Yeah. yeah, because it will cause like it'll cause instant death. I'm not I uh, even to a thing, even in mul- uh, even with all of it intact. One well, like they were of, using it to like melt it is what they would say. Yeah, they were. Th- yes, they talk about they were using fire, thermite, uh, acid. acid. Mm-hmm. and a lot of ways to dissolve because they have to get rid of everything if one piece of blood drops that's a thing yeah and so they have to make sure to keep caution and trace their steps to make sure that they catch everything mm-hmm. and yeah they find out that out of all uh, half of their party are aliens and yeah which uh even the was okay unless i heard got this wrong the guy who even came up with that test was one of the things Right. Maybe because uh, it was the commander. Uh, well, no. Oh, of the blood test. Yeah. The second oh, no, blood that test. was McCready. That was McCready. Oh, okay. McCready came up with the test. He figured it out. Gary oh, okay. was the uh, the commander of it. And he his was a shocker that he turned into a thing. it was because. Yeah, because so the, the first test was that was they came up with because it was between Gary and um, what the biologist, I think. Copper. Yeah, and Copper was the physician. Uh, Blair is the biologist who goes crazy. There's a doctor. He's the one that wanted to keep uh, the the thing preserved and study it. And after it's discovered that this thing can imitate people, he just completely goes into complete psychosis and snaps. And he smashes everything. He smashes the vehicles. He smashes the radios. And they have to lock him up because – uh, he's flat. He flat out wants to murder everybody. He wants to make yeah. sure this thing doesn't get away. So they lock him out in a shed uh, for the remainder of the book. He's at the beginning and then he's the forgotten until the yeah. very end where they do the test. They get rid of all the things. And then by the end, 
they forget about Blair. So they go and find him. And he has also been turned into a thing. And for a week, he has been building an anti-gravity yeah. harness. He, he built an, an a- atomic reactor and an anti-gravity reactor out of using ice and mm-hmm. like basic equipment. That's how advanced this creature is. It's not just a feral animal. It is yeah. an extremely intelligent uh, create- creature. It's yeah. not known if it actually was part, it was the flyer of the ship or it was a passenger. But Yeah, it's super unclear, like who he even was. Yeah. Because I believe when as they. As far as go, crew. Huh. Yeah, because they actually go, as far as I believe at the beginning, they discussed that they did go into the spaceship and they, they... saw. Well, they said they tried like to. other creatures or something. They saw silhouettes or something in the ship. Well, or what my understanding was that the door was slightly ajar, but it was frozen shut. Mm-hmm. So they like they looked in and they could see a bunch of stuff. And then that's why they tried to blow. They tried to blow the door open and then it blew the entire ship up. Yeah. And so they find out that the final thing in the book He's been, yeah, he built an atomic, spent two weeks building all this. Yeah. Yeah. He built an atomic reactor and then he built an anti-gravity harness, which would allowed him to jump from essentially they mentioned that one leap from where he was would have made it to like the next point of civilization on Antarctica. Yeah. Or it would have gotten him closer to more life and he would have been able to spread because the whole thing is because this thing can take over everyone it now becomes a story of we have to stop this thing because it could destroy the planet. Yeah, which take it over. Uh, it's interesting too, like that you say, you know, was this the the pilot, of, you know, the alien pilot or captain or something else? But in all likelihood, too, that entire like you could have one thing just split up and completely man a ship. You know, if he has enough resources, it's possible. And this is what confused me in the book, because they do say that I think they said, what is it? It was like eight. Uh, the mass of the original creature was like 80 kilograms. The size, they said the size of a dog. Yeah, the size of a dog. Uh, it's like a humanoid creature that's blue skin, has blue worms for hair, three red eyes and just has an angry expression on its face. It's frozen. Yeah. And they mention it's like 80 kilograms. And when it takes someone over. It still has that mass, too, that has to go somewhere else as well. So that was a little confusing for me. Oh, yeah. So, like, in theory, so it's taking over the mass of the body that it's taking over. But then, like, in theory, like, that mass is being added to that body or splitting off to go do something else. Yes. And every time they find out someone or something is a thing, it reverts back to its form, which they debate whether this blue three-eyed mon- uh three-eyed monster is the original thing or if form, it's something yeah. that it's consumed and it's taking on and the biologist true. theorizes that's the original form of it because it constantly reverts reverts back to it when it yeah. is discovered because once it's found out that it is uh it once it's been outed it instantly goes into attack mode yeah, well, and then, like, it'll grow, like, claws or fangs. It grows, like, four appendages and yeah. fangs, like, all these things. And it's crazy. It, it just becomes feral, essentially. And Well, it does at, whatever it can to survive, which yes. makes sense, yeah. And once, uh, essentially, by the end, they the last one is the biologist they locked up. They kill him, and... The book does kind of end on just kind of a positive note where they have defeated it. There is a little doubt because there was a bird flying, an albatross flying. Around yeah, I could see there being a sequel saying that the albatross was a thing as well. But 
I don't know that it was supposed to be. No, I don't believe so either. Mainly because, like you said, this is in the 30s. I feel like the story is very timeless. It does have a good ending. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a bit weird because this is a great story. It is also a straight-up doomsday scenario where if one cell of this thing managed yeah. to get away, it could spread throughout the world and take over the entire world. So it's one of those things where... I totally understand what the writer was wanting to do, which is give it a positive ending because that is well, and that it, is dark. Like this book, actually, uh, when it got to the actual blood test with uh, heating up the blood, yeah, I was kind of getting anxiety listening to this. Like, wow, this is intense. Yeah, I was a little anxious. It wasn't as bad as that other book I was listening to, but like I, uh, but I think like just knowing that it was ending soon. Like it helped me get through the, through it a little bit, but yeah, yeah it, it was very intense at times, and and just very it did bring on a lot of anxiety. It probably helped. I was shoveling snow for part of it, you know, <laughs> just just getting like you know some energy out. But um, but yeah, and and I think my only problem with it is like like you said, I guess, and what I alluded to at the beginning of this conversation was just that the ending, like it felt like a '30s ending. Whereas like I feel like if this was made, you know, written nowadays. It would have ended with, you know, killing Blair um, and then probably just declaring that everything was safe. And then probably, you know, one more suggestion that not everything was safe. So the idea that like that there was so much time spent with, um, uh, man, what's his name? The guy, McCready. McCready. Yeah. Yeah, Him just explaining like everything's fine. Like we meteorologist. Yeah, but just like his whole monologue at the end of this, like, we finally got them all. If we were a half an hour later, he would have been out of here and taken yeah. over the world. And like, we did it. We are humans and we figured it all out. And and, and, I, and I, I'm fine with that, honestly. Like, I don't care. But it just it struck me as like, I just I don't think that a modern story would have done that. Um, And I again, like, I actually didn't mind it at all. It just kind of felt. It felt a little out of place just given the rest of the story and just how gruesome things were. But it, it, it is nice to have, I guess, a positive, you know, a very definitive positive ending. I, I can actually I can enjoy that, like you said, just because of how gruesome parts of the book were. Um, and, and in all honesty, too, like I could see this if they did the movie right. Um, I could see this kind of going the same way as like the alien movies. Cause even that one, like it starts off, I guess, you know, it's an isolated event on, you know, on this ship that landed on, on an alien planet and, um, you know, you're getting chest bursters and stuff. And then it, it eventually gets to the point where it, I guess I've not seen the movies like very well, or it's been a while. So I don't really remember them very well. Cause I was a kid, but, um, like don't the aliens get to earth and they're just like, it's just carnage or like, um or maybe it's not earth but like just i don't know wherever the aliens end up like it's just like hell on earth sort sort of situation and i could see this you know eventually getting to a story where like yeah the thing gets out and just having a hellscape sort of um maybe like Uh, the game doom or something but i i don't agree no i mean that doesn't happen in the alien movies ever no what's the uh Maybe I'm just I was a kid when I saw most of them, so I don't really remember them. No, I just no. remember like uh, the idea of them getting to Earth is the doom yeah, they never do get to Earth, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By okay. alien resurrection, they get back to Earth, but there's no aliens. Right. OK. Uh, but but, I, but I mean, just the idea of like, you know, having, a, you know, 
so like this one is about you know just the the scientists and like you could have another like the next story is about a city and then the next story you know well, movie is about the world or something i i don't know about that because the thing is is this thing isn't wanting to destroy the planet it's just wanting to become everybody so it's you know, not that is violent sure it's, sure sure the That's one thing point. i wanted to bring up about this is there's a lot of similarities with this and say invasion of the body snatchers which i've never seen but yeah yeah, and, and and you know I mean, you bring up a fucking remakes of that one, but I mean yeah. the, the the famous one with Don Sutherland, they are just taking over everyone to build a better society. That's not what this yeah. thing's doing. This thing's just taking over to survive. But and and that is a really good point. It's not destroying stuff. Like yeah. I don't think you would see a ruined cityscape unless it was humans literally nuking it. Well, but and then honestly, the end of it, I think that's what it would be. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think you would have survivors running through a city that's already destroyed and stuff like that. Sure. Like Good this point. thing, like if it took over, like in a span of uh, God, what they do, like in the span of a few days, it already took over half of everybody and it was just blending in. It wasn't trying to hurt anyone. Yeah. In the sense of its own point of view, it was just spreading itself to survive, essentially. So yeah. and the people it and like I said, it is argued whether it was um like what is it what was i gonna say it, it's kind of argued were like did people know that they were even the thing yeah and then later even after they've killed all of the people that were converted mm-hmm. even mccready says if there was a better way to contain it i would have liked to have had those people back yeah like even if they were the thing well, I think, yeah, it was just like, if we could just guarantee that they wouldn't spread any further, I would have been okay with them hanging out. <laughs> yeah, because they were their friends and stuff like that. Yeah, They're like, they had the same personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get, that's a really good point, too, and I, I think that was a problem I had early on, and I kind of forgot about it because of how violent the book got, I guess. Um, but, like, when, because they were just kind of making all these assumptions about the alien, and it was just like... It would be interesting to see or to even have another version of the story from the thing's perspective. It's funny you say that because there is a fan written uh, book. Oh, well, I don't um, know that I want a fan version. <laughs> well, this guy's been dead for probably 100 years. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Years, we're so in, you're I not going to get uh, an alternative. But no, somebody did make. That's interesting. Uh, a, uh, did make. OK, well, it's not the point of view of the book. It's the point of view of the John Carpenter movie. OK of um of the thing's point of view and his thoughts that's it that would be actually very interesting it's interesting uh, i've read a little bit of it where it opens with him saying i am childs i am blair i am yeah. Bennings," and it's like and it, it's kind of talking as if it is a collective well, and if it's telepathic it would be but that also yeah. doesn't make sense because they are so uh like once they're separate, they do kind of fight for themselves. Like they do. Very it's selfish. about survival. It's yeah. Not, sorry, it's not a collective idea. It might be. It may be uh, telepathic in the sense, but it's also it's its sheer goal is to survive. Hence why, yeah. like it is damaged, it will split a piece off to get away. Or if a piece is split off, it's not going back to reattach. It's going off to fight and something else to well, mi- imitate i mean even uh when they were doing the blood that second blood test like the ones who were converted were helping to kill the newly discovered converted yes 
like they they were even fighting alongside the humans to kill the thing mm-hmm. uh which is just very striking as well because like they had to have known that they were you know one of them was next yeah um and, and so it's just very fascinating that they wouldn't have just you know after the first one that or even with the you know before even killing the first one like it, like they all should have started just fighting and they didn't mm-hmm. um and so they're just very, it's a, they're very selfish creatures i guess in that sense but yeah they just want to survive which is just mm-hmm. very which is a very fascinating uh concept of for a, an alien like that that is so advanced um yet so primitive i guess in that sense which again that's a, you just described humanity yeah i mean sure <laughs> Uh, and, and you're not wrong, honestly. Like, uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, you you blew my mind a little bit, actually. But yeah, wow. Because, uh, because yeah, my first reaction was like, yeah, of course. And then my second thought was like, no, no, no. And then my third rea- thought was like, no, no, you're right. Uh, that's that's weird. Yeah. Um, but but this just boils it down to just you know a finer detail, I guess um it's very interesting and i guess in that sense it's it's a very 30s you know view of aliens in that sense i guess that it is no i don't think it's a 30s view of aliens granted i haven't read a lot of 30s literature or science fiction but i I do feel this is quite modern in the sense that if you don't know this was published in the 38 I don't think you could really narrow down when this came out because no, they no, don't I, I don't think you could. But a lot they don't use technology that's dated. No, they These don't. are all scientists that are working on. Um, well, mag- and, they're in, and they're in the and Arctic, stuff. yeah. And in the Arctic, it's similar. Nowhere. That's kind of why I like I like the John Carpenter movie because even though that's set in 1982, it still holds up and it's fairly timeless. But I think it's. Just... I do feel that's what it is in this book because. Like the only technology they talk about is their scientific knowledge, but they yeah, also yeah, yeah. talk about their helicopters and their tractors and things. Yeah, there's nothing in here that, or if they need to use a radio or something like that, there's nothing in here that really dates it to the 30s. Well, it's it's just the concepts of just like how like oh, there's an alien, it must be wanting to kill us, and like there's no thought given to, um, you know how they might try to reason with the alien um is there any of that that's modern though is that mentality a modern thing that you really want to do that i mean there's plenty of star trek i mean star trek is 300 years in the future and is completely fiction and it's a godless socialist universe that's a good point too um i guess i don't know but i'm just i think just the fact that they jumped straight to wanting to kill it but maybe that's just my critique i guess they did though you're, no, and, and actually, though, that was a lot of wanted to leave it alone, especially considering that when they found it frozen, they very much say, what's his name? Um, what's his name? Uh, not uh, I've got the list of people in it. Uh, is it Conant? He's the one that's flat out saying, yeah, look Conant. at that thing. Look that at that just... angry face. That thing is that thing is filled with rage. Yeah, like and, he very much does not want to be near it. Well, and he even says he put it back where he found angry it. Angry that face is on it, and he's like, "That is a face of hatred." Yeah, and I guess, yeah, I mean, you have a good point too. Like, I don't know that there's any modern story that would have done it differently. I mean, there's plenty of science fiction movies where an alien shows up, puts its hand up, and they instantly start shooting at it. Uh, yeah, the, the director of. Blade Runner 20, uh, 2049 or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, he did Arrival. And they shoot the aliens yep. in that. That's a really good point. 
Yeah, there's uh, a lot of modern stuff where we don't understand the aliens and we just instantly go straight to attack mode against them. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a 30s thing, man. I think yeah. that's just a, well, and plus these are not, none of these guys are soldiers. Like, they're a yes. thing and there are commanders and stuff like that. But the bulk of them want to study this. The biologist very much wants to study this. The doctor mm-hmm. does not want to. Yeah. Uh, Copper doesn't want to and neither does Norris. They're both like, I don't really trust this thing but it's gary who goes i'm siding with blair on this this is yeah, something yeah, yeah. special and things like that but i mean the fact that this thing like is found and it it does look like pure fucking evil yeah just based on its appearance i don't think it's out of the ballpark but it's not like anybody i well, think it's and- only con it that says just destroy it just destroy it we don't know what this thing is but his logic is also not just destroy it because it looks evil you've also got the other people going well this thing could be filled with diseases that we are not biologically built for because it's 20 million years in the ice we could dethaw something that could have a virus that could just instantly take us out on illness alone and well he wasn't wrong this thing is kind of like a virus yeah well and um it it had already started to affect people psychologically because like what two two members of the the two two of the guys who went and found it had already had bad dreams yeah and people were starting to have bad dreams of this thing and one of them i think it was conan who says he's had bad dreams of this thing attacking people another one Mm -hmm. norris i think or our copper mentions that they were having dreams that this thing can imitate people and things like that. And it's got claws. Like it was already unintentionally subconsciously projecting what its intentions were to them. So like the people who were present about this, they weren't ignorantly want not liking it. They already had pretty heavy suspicions of it, but it's not like, I think they have a couple guns in it. Like they killed the the final thing with a blowtorch. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, well, and the thing to remember here, too, is just that this is a short story. I mean, it's, oh, it's very, very short. short. So I they on my they, iPad, it was like 40 pages, if that long on your yeah. phone. It might be like 80 pages. It just depends on the screen that you're reading it yeah. from. I think on my but, big iPad, it may be like 20 pages long. <laughs> yeah. But just like uh, I always forget, like, you know, it's a short story. So like they're going to skim over some things They're You know, they're not going to go into as deep a physical psychological or no uh but basically they're not going to have the thoughts that i'm wanting them to have because they need to move the story along because of what it is um and at the same time too like you know this thing uh kind of like what you said with conet um just describing it and just saying like this thing like just looks like it's from hell um like that just literarily like that's just how you depict things that are evil or that are going to be doing evil things um, and so just based on how it looks, having red eyes, having three eyes, having worms for hair, like these are ways just literarily to project like what this creature is going to be. Um, is it really kind of literary forget- though? Because I mean, if you really think about even like the science fiction movies and stuff like that, yeah. I can't really think of a violent looking alien creature. No, that's but like, peaceful. <clears throat> no, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, so just, uh, it, that's just the thing that people do in stories. Like you just, you make the evil things look evil because that's just the easiest way to show that they are. Um, I still don't even think this thing was evil though. I think it was just, I don't think it was either, but it, yeah, no, I agree. But just its purpose in the story was it did things, you know, it was killing people. And I mean, in theory, um, 
and and it, the whole purpose of of it was to create carnage among these men and so like i don't think his purpose was to create carnage well no no the, the just as the this the purpose to of the character in the story no uh, I, don't, I don't think it was though i think it was self-preservation on both separate on on two different points of view this right, thing right, was trying yeah, so, to be self-preservation it was trying to I'm preserve not saying, itself and then the humans were trying to preserve itself Correct. I'm not saying that the alien wanted to create carnage. I'm just saying that, like, the writer writing the story, he wrote it in this way to create the carnage. So, like, the the purpose of the of the creature and of the scientists acting in the way that they were acting was to create carnage. And so um, the creature was depicted in a way to to start that carnage. Um, I have to disagree to disagree. Okay. But so I don't have that point of view that you're having with it. Well, I'm, I'm not and I'm not even saying that, like, that was the po- like um, that was not the mentality of the creature. I don't believe the creature was evil even necessarily. Um, I'm just saying just like as um, I mean, because the, the, that's what the book is. The book is about uh, it's a story of just things that go. That, yeah, that go nuts. And the, the, the thing like. So the whole purpose of introducing the alien to the scientists was to jumpstart the story that is carnage or that is just crazy things that happen. And so the the alien was depicted in that in a way to get the scientists to start thinking in the way that they were thinking to get the story to move in the direction that it was supposed to move in. Um, and so, you know, if they depicted, you know, if the alien was more beautiful you know, these men probably wouldn't have jumped to, to the conclusions that they were jumping to without, uh, you know, certain other things. Like maybe if they were all getting these um, psychic visions of, you know, bad things happening, even with a beautiful alien, they would probably still be uncomfortable. But I will. I think the one thing that is also part of it is. Mm-hmm. I, one of the one, one could counter with the reason it had such an angry expression on its face is they say that it stepped out of the spacecraft, walked mm-hmm. ten paces, and froze. One <clears throat> that they it was pre- probably screaming its head off, walking yeah. out, not knowing what the hell it was doing yeah. in the frozen tundra, and then just screaming as it's freezing itself to. Oh, I'm. That's what that, I, I was pretty convinced that that was the problem. Like that's it was making that face because it was mad about the, its situation, 100. Yeah. percent Um. And well, and they decipher based on especially the guy at the end, uh, just the the way that the what he had done to the that shack that he was in, mm-hmm. that uh, they deciphered that it, it was probably from a more a warmer planet that yeah. was, had a blue sun probably. And that's why I went straight for a dog too, because dogs were full of fur to be in the fur to be warm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, no, and, and I, I'm just saying that like, uh, the writer chose the alien to look this way to make the story go in the direction that he wanted it to go. And that's all I'm saying. Um, and, and I'm just saying, and my, my whole point was just like, that was done to get the story to move quicker because it's such, it's a short story. Like that's just how you write short stories. Um, but, but no, all in all, like, I, and I'm not even trying to complain. I love this book. It was, it's a fantastic story. I'm, I'm I really would, I'm probably going to read it again, or actually I might, I, I think I, I'd like to go try to find the book. Uh, oh, I think you could probably find it pretty easily. You can get it uh, online or you can probably yeah. find it at Barnes and Noble or something nope. like that. Uh, not at Barnes and Noble. I walked all over that place. <laughs> oh. 
because uh yeah because i work like right next door to it and so i just walked over and walk i i can never find a book in that stupid store anyway because <laughs> like yeah ever since they got rid of their kiosks it's kind of hard to yeah uh well and like they brought everything down well there's still that second floor but i don't there's like nothing up there for me anymore uh because it's like self-help and i guess the kids books are up there but um yeah anyway uh mostly like there's no horror section so like i don't know where this book would be there's like mystery and thriller maybe fiction or science fiction yeah it's not an it wasn't yeah i looked in the fiction i looked in the science fiction i looked in mystery thriller i did not look in manga maybe it was there i doubt it not in the oh romance. it only needs to be a barnes and noble review but i mean you could also just probably I'll type it in that. on their website yeah. and do see if it's available and then do a, a store pickup yeah oh yeah and i'm I'm I no I'm not saying I can't find it. I'm just I was I was a little surprised that they didn't have it. Um but I don't know. It's an old book. It was uh I think the latest version was published in 2009, so that was still kind of a while ago. So But yeah, no, I I want I'm I want to find it, a copy and have it and read it. Um so no, I like this book. I recommend it if you know, if the listener hasn't actually read it yet but 100 um do you have anything else to add well yes i do so uh as i said this book came out almost a century ago yeah and um bear with me uh let me see how i can get it that way uh so back in 2018 uh the author's biographer was going through all his stuff to create a biography for him. Right. And he discovered an extended version of this book uh, titled Frozen Hell, mm-hmm. which also had another title called Pandora. Oh, yeah. And, okay. and he fa- he didn't find a complete book, but he found portions of manuscripts of uh-huh. a bigger version of this. So That's very interesting. <laughs> he wanted to have it released. And so a Kickstarter was started okay. um, a few years ago to raise just a thousand dollars to get it edited and uh, published. Mm-hmm. Raised one hundred and fifty five thousand dollars. Wow. Yes. It is available as an ebook. It's a bit longer. Yeah. Uh, the audiobook for who goes there is about two hours and 40 minutes long or something like that. Yeah. Uh, this other version is about four hours. I don't have the audio version, but I do own the book for the ebook. And I believe it's just available as an ebook. Okay. Yeah. And so there is a larger version of this with a different opening and I believe possibly a different ending. Yeah. There is a physical book. Is there a distributed in June of 2019? Yeah. It's pretty quick turnaround when they launched this in December. When they found, um, uh, they launched this in December uh, earlier, just six months, and it was already out and everything. I, yeah. it, I, it's fairly cheap to get to. It's yeah. not, it's not big. I mean, this is just a novella, but and this is, this was considered a novel, but I mean, it's probably less than a hundred pages. And I, I, I look forward to reading that. I may pick up the audiobook for it as well. Yeah, uh, just because I like to listen to this stuff. Like I said, I listen to this three times. I mean, you can knock it out in less than three hours. And yeah, it's kind of yeah. like a movie. It feels like a movie you're listening to. Uh, I liked the audiobook version a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought the person who read it did a very good job with distincting voices. 
Yeah, he did. Uh, it was kind of a funny void. Like it was just a, it was a very he has a very anime or I don't know. It, it's a it was interesting. I liked him a lot though. It was a, it was a good reader. Yeah, I thought he did a very good job to think because I mean while there are thirty seven characters, only sixteen are named, and probably mm-hmm. probably only le- probably less than that actually have dialogue in it. Oh yeah, very uh, there's only about. Less than ten full on full blown characters in the book: uh, mm-hmm. McCready, Blair, Bennings, uh, Copper, Clark, um, just a handful. The cook, things like uh, yeah. characters the like that. The cook was funny. Cook was pretty funny, and yeah, he was the reason they found out that this thing can separate. Like, and that was the thing that was really throwing them off because the thing not only imitates your appearance and stuff. Imitate your personality. The cook was an extremely religious person, and it was – they even make a mention that this thing was praying to a god it didn't even know existed. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he spent like two hours singing hymns and praying, yeah. Yep, driving everyone crazy. Yeah. So uh, I I like this story a lot. I love mm-hmm. the movie. I really look forward for us watching it because we've been trying to watch yeah. it for like a year and a half now, and it's um, – I think it's been that long, or at least a year. Or so, I'm gonna have to just get together and get through it because I absolutely love it. It is a oh. quite faithful. It's a fairly faithful movie. Uh, okay. Uh, and that's the thing that threw me off was I've I've known the movie for a long time. I uh, first time I watched it was 15 years ago, and I fell in love with it. And I've watched all the behind the scenes things, and it was really interesting hearing John Carpenter talk about how he really wanted to do it because mm-hmm. he was really wanting to do the blood test. And I didn't oh, know what he meant by that. I know the blood test in the movie, so I thought that was like a script thing. So when I was reading this book and it got to the blood test, I was yeah. freaking out. Huh. I thought that was – I did not know that was in the book. I didn't know a lot, but yeah. I did not know that the blood test was in there and and started reading and hearing dialogue that I know from the movie. Oh, that's interesting. That makes me yeah a lot more excited about seeing the movie I, I, when I didn't realize – because I thought the movie – yeah, it wasn't – very faithful and so i guess i wasn't as excited i was a little like i i i've never had much interest in seeing the thing um but yeah after reading the book even if it wasn't i was just like yeah i'll see the movie but yeah now i mean knowing that it's more it's pretty faithful yeah i i would love to see that movie it's a great movie i'd love to Mm -hmm. see it and then do a review of that as well yeah yeah at the time and it's considered pretty gratuitous though isn't it the violence it's pretty gory yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it's pretty, pretty gory. Sense. Yeah, and uh, it's a movie that tanked when it came out, almost ruined John Carpenter's career. And <laughs> so then weird. it was reevaluated decade, fifteen years later, and yeah. it's regarded as one of the best sci-fi horror movies ever. It's regarded as one of the best sci-fi movies too. Yeah, that's weird. It's really great. It's uh, it's an awesome movie. I I was told by a friend to see it, and mm-hmm. I kind of have a I'm kind of stingy. If someone keeps pushing me to watch something, it's gonna turn me off. Yeah. And I was at Borders Bookstore when that wow. existed, and yeah. I saw it in there, and I picked it up. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I've been told I should see this. Well, let's give it a go. And I I bought it. Got home that night. Uh, watched it. And it was like one o'clock in the morning, and I just hit play again and rewatched it again. Oh wow! Yeah, that's interesting. I love that movie a lot. I huh. I own multiple versions of it. It's one of my like I said, if, if Jaws wasn't my favorite film of all time, it would be John Carpenter's The Thing. 
it is an amazing film and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40 years old hit 40 years this year 1982 oh, yeah. but i yeah this movie's great uh, uh the book is great i really liked the book a lot uh mm-hmm. the only thing is yeah i'm it seems like i can't tell like uh what what what's this based on i guess one thing to mention real quick is that the audiobook had a opening preface yeah, by, yeah uh, uh by the guy who wrote logan's Nolan, run who wrote yeah. logan, who's the author of logan's run and uh he has an opening of this and it's not a bad opening, but it's also yeah. kind of weird because he he wrote an opening for he he speaks of an opening like he's in the audiobook and he talks yeah. about how he wrote a script for this. It didn't happen. Yeah, he used to with John Carpenter, and he actually makes the mention of he prefers his script over the John Carpenter movie. Yeah, which I guess that's what made me think like, oh, the movie must not be faithful. Which, uh, when he brought up the earlier version, the earlier movie that, like, had a more Frankenstein version of Oh, the, the Howard Hawks one where the, the thing yeah. is a vegetable monster. It doesn't shapeshift or anything. It just terrorizes their ba- – that's uh, – the Yeah, which, I mean, that just sounds horrible. And so. his version mm-hmm. is based on that movie. Oh, really? Yes, I looked it up. I found yeah. out that his script – is more related to the Howard Hawks film from the fifties. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So I was just kind of, so like, he just didn't like the book. Apparently. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he said, he talks about the book and things, but yeah. for some reason he didn't like the John Carpenter one. And he says he preferred his version, which I always thought was kind of pretentious to even add into an opening. Yeah. Up. That was, that's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. I get you're proud of what you're writing. Most people are. So especially and Logan's run was a good story. I've never read yeah. the book though. Logan's Run? Yeah, I like the movie. I've never seen either of them or read them, so I don't know, but I know them. I mean, I saw Mm -hmm. Michael Bay's The Island, which is just a ripoff of Logan's Run. The Island is, yeah, Logan's Run. (laughs) But yeah, no, I highly recommend this. Obviously, if you stuck around, if you just want to hear us talk, then you heard us. But hopefully, like, you know, if you stopped it and went and checked this out, and then you can come back and listen to our thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and this is a good t- opportunity for and you know everyone who hasn't hit us up on social media to to talk about you know what you think about this book as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's all to... I've got. You know. Um, yeah. That's about it. This is our little our little fun little uh, podcast. Did we have a review of a book? Yeah, and honestly, it makes me want to find like other short stories or something to cover too, um, or even regular size books, I suppose. Um, but no, it was fun to listen to this and, and talk about it, uh, especially just like this is yeah, it's not the type of story I usually get into, um, or at least not knowingly. Like I don't, because uh, I guess I you know I always thought of the thing as being horror. And I'm just not much of a horror person. Um, yeah. But really, I mean, it's it's a sci-fi thriller is what it is. And um, and it's just, yeah, a lot more just psychological, uh, dra- like psychological thriller, because it's just them like, you know, freaking out about an alien infiltrating them. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I, I found it very, very interesting. And I, and I, I would love to. I guess find more stories that are similar to this and read those or find more movies. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, you've got me to watch jaws now and I definitely want to watch the thing. So I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm into that horror thriller genre now that I didn't realize. 
The thing I kind of learned is I was scared of horror movies when I was a kid, and then I've gone back and watched a lot of those horror movies I was scared of, only to realize they're not scary. Yeah, which I've I seen to... all the Nightmare on Elm Streets and the Friday the Thirteenth and the Halloweens and the yeah. zombie movies, and I'm just like, yeah, these aren't scary. So yeah. I guess I just kind of my my idea of them being scary overwhelmed them. But yeah, I, I I don't know that it's the scariness that I don't like. I think it's just like I don't I just I'm not very interested in like jump scares, which I guess Jaws was a little bit of, but Jaws had like a lot better of a story than I thought it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this does too, like because I I think I just assumed that these were jump scare stories. No, jump scares um, are like a modern thing. Yeah, and I think I just need to go back and watch some old '80s, you know, horror thriller movies. Yeah, '80s had a great horror th- horror thing at the going on. Even the '90s did stuff like that. It's yeah, only the past 10, 15 years that. Studios decided that they needed to throw shit at the camera or put a high pitched sound in there to freak you yeah. out. And or like there's there's, envi- there's there's um there's atmospheric horror. And I would say yeah. that's what very much what John Carpenter's yeah. thing is. That's sure. it's atmospheric. It's it's the people and things like that that yeah. give it off. And I guess one thing I could say is like when it comes to books, I don't really like science fiction books very much. I I talked to a friend of mine about this today where the problem I have with science fiction books is I feel the authors get a little too high on their own supply. And I don't really want to read a book where they're talking about like an E-Web 299 pulse rifle and sure that like stuff that's just it's just gobbledygook. And I don't want to read that stuff. I kind of liked this story because while they were scientists that were talking about cyclotrons and um oh god what was it one character his profession was dealing with cosmic rays and things like that yeah that yeah. stuff is kind of a little too much for me um but i can oh, but understand like some of these words but i don't like hearing about fictional things i don't want to hear about sure. how a transwarp drive can do x amount of things and it's like no that's too much that's too yeah. much for me. i wonder I wonder if you would like the expanse because like um, because it's outer space and stuff. But like in that story, they don't have warp drive. And so it takes them like months to travel from like uh, Mars to Earth kind of thing. Um, Or when they do have like uh, a hyperdrive of some sort, um, it puts on like so many G's that they basically have to take speed in order to survive. Yeah. Or they either they either take drugs to to go to sleep or like the pilot and the captain, they they take like they only have they just say it's speed. Um, And so it makes me wonder if like it's legitimately like, you know, drugs Mm -hmm. um, just to stay awake. And like otherwise, like they would just pass out. Um, And then and then but it's it's mostly a story about alien like an alien virus actually is what it is um, that is found on an asteroid. And like so then it kind of takes over or it's it's actually kind of similar to this where like it doesn't they it it actually they find out it was programmed to take out the human race, but it was it's sentient. And so they're able to um, to like talk to it and convince it to not just kill all humans. And yeah. so then it, it diverts and goes it goes to Venus instead and just kind of hangs out by itself there for a while and then there's more stuff that happens but um but it's 
I appreciate that, but because it doesn't just, it's not just filled with all of this like weird sci-fi stuff, even though it is like really high sci-fi because it's outer space, lots of tech, like technology that doesn't exist. But then, but it just, it, the technology I feel like just makes sense. Like, it's just like, yeah, this is probably what it would be like. Um, and oh, there's something else weird about it. I can't remember what I was going to say, but I don't, oh yeah. Like they don't make up weird, you know, futuristic things other than like, there's a rail gun which I don't know that that's a thing that exists, but it's at least, you know, a standardized weapon that I know what a railgun is just from playing video games. Um, yeah. It's just but, like kind of some stuff like say like Dune, that's too much for me and things like oh, that. Oh, Dune. Yeah. No, Dune is probably the most sci-fi you can ever get. Like, like I said, it's, it's, Dune it's, is it intense just kind of sci-fi. That the, the authors are just getting high on their own stuff. And it's oh, just yeah. like, oh, no. Dune is the limits uh, for me for sci-fi. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know that I I've ever seen anything that's more like, yeah. Uh, more sci-fi than that really. Yeah. Like I had one of my friends tell me, it's like, Oh, you guys could do all the short stories of the guy who did like Blade Runner and stuff like that. And that'd be interesting. I guess. And it's I like, know. I don't think I could do it. I know they're short, but I still don't understand the world of Blade Runner watching the movies. I still don't understand a yeah. crap like that. Yeah, yeah, Blade Runner, that's another that's sci-fi through and through. Um Isaac Asimov I need to re-listen to iRobot cuz that's just a bunch of short stories too. Um I need, I need to re-listen to that cuz I don't know how bad it is as far as that goes. But like I did I just finished Foundation uh, like a month or two ago. Which is like it's Isaac Asimov who wrote iRobot, um, but it's all uh, politics, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that one kind of gets a little bad with just like making up stuff, but like that's not the focus of the story. Um, and so like, but everything's based on atomic power, which is just kind of funny to me. Like it feels because like just everything is just got these like really goofy like 40s and 50s like names like it just sounds like back to the future type stuff to me Mm. um and so it's just like yeah it's just like that weird sci-fi jargon from the 50s yeah Uh, just everything's atomic like uh, the atomic vibro uh razor like to shave your face you know in three seconds like just junk like that um because like there's a point where like that's what the main government body is doing or like the people who are trying to take over the government are doing they're just selling atomic every like everything's atomic and they're selling it like they basically become amazon.com and they're just selling everything to everyone to take over the world or to take over the galaxy um but it's just funny to me like just because it is so dated (laughs) yeah um, but I'd like to re- reread or re-listen to maybe uh, iRobot just because it's a bunch of short stories. They're all about robots. Um, but I don't remember because I was in college when I listened to it and I don't remember it going too off the rails like sci-fi, like other than just being about robots, because it's a lot of psychological stuff about robots because that's the those are the stories with the three rules of robotics. Like uh, you, you're not like robots are not allowed to kill you or hurt a human by action or inaction they're not allowed to hurt themselves by action or inaction unless it violates the first law and well, i forget what the third law oh no the first law is you have to obey all humans the second law is don't hurt a human unless it's against unless it violates law number one and the third law is they can't hurt themselves unless it violates the first two laws and so like there's just like these really goofy situations that like these robots get into um because of the laws like just like 
um I don't know, just like really weird situations, like where like the robots kind of just go a little crazy because of like they can't they can't rationalize what to do because like they're violating multiple laws at once, and so like they just yeah they go crazy, and so like then they then like the there's like a couple of them where like this detective guy kind of yeah. has to come in and solve the a problem. There's a couple where it's just like these two guys, and it feels like a tag and Binks kind of story where like they're just like they keep getting like the shaft and like getting put in these horrible situations, um, and they just like hate their lives because of it. But I don't know. I I need to re-listen to those. Uh, yeah, it'd be fun to find yeah some short stories to listen to though, whether it's anything honestly, but. Yeah, sorry, I went on too long about that. Yeah, we were kind of going off the rails right there for a little um, bit. I just remember those being really good stories, and I just don't remember them very well, so I need to redo it. But, yeah, we should probably uh, – it's been an hour. Um, so, yeah, read Who Goes There. Do it. Yes, highly recommend. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, to, to wrap this up, go buy stuff like we always say at the end of our episodes um, and, and talk to us on social media. So yep. for all that, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening.